Heavenly Father, speak to us this morning. Let us have open hearts and minds to receive from your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, change us. Help us to think differently, to feel differently, to live differently in light of your word. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I want to share some wisdom with you. Uh, This wisdom comes from teenagers. So you might doubt it, and yet, just hear me out. Here is some wisdom for you from teenagers. When your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. (laughs) Never allow your three-year-old brother in the same room as your school assignments. When you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mom while she's on the phone. And this comes from Naomi, not our Naomi, but from someone named Naomi. She says, if you want a kitten, start out by asking for a house. Start really big. They're willing to, you know. Um, I share those as an introduction to the idea of where we get truth. I don't think anybody has an issue hearing those things and thinking there's some wisdom there, there is something there that is worth doing, despite the fact that it comes from teenagers who can barely keep their room clean and keep themselves alive, but we're willing to listen to them. The teenagers all groaned at me and gave me dirty looks. But this is the issue this morning. There are sources that we may not want to hear truth from. And Jesus has something to say about that. So here's the passage. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to Matthew 23. If it's in a pew Bible, it's page 1409. Matthew 23, page 1409. So a little bit of background Jesus, and we've covered a number of these, he's just spent a decent amount of time being attacked by the religious leaders. They've come at him with everything they have to trap him in his words, to make him look foolish, to undermine his authority, to take his followers from him. And every time he answers them, And it doesn't matter if it's Pharisees or Sadducees or Herodians or the disciples of the Pharisees. He has an answer for them. And then we didn't cover this, but at the very end, he gives them a question. And and I feel like, in a way, what Jesus is doing, because I think Jesus has such incredible patience and grace and a desire to reach people, that even the people who were coming after him, he presents a question. And I wonder if everything would have changed if they would have just gone, we don't know what that is. You've answered every question we have. We could never trap you. We don't know this thing. Will you help us? I feel like there's a moment there in that question where Jesus isn't just doing what they were doing. They were trying to trap him. 
They were disingenuous about their questions. I don't think he was. But they still won't do it. They won't bite. So he turns to his own, to his disciples, to those following him, and he says, I have something to say to you guys. And I don't want us to miss that the point of Jesus is not to turn into the religious leaders. He isn't turning to the crowds and his followers just to go, now let me just totally rag on these guys and tell you how awful they are. He is a shepherd to the core, and he wants to protect his own. And he knows who's leading them. And so he turns to them, and this is what he does. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Um, We're not exactly sure what that is. Um, If you go back and look at old synagogues, there is a stone seat that looks like maybe that was where either the leader or the person who was teaching might have been sitting. And this might be a reference specifically to that position. But it at least means this. They are teaching the words of Moses. They are teaching the Old Testament. They have an authority because of that. So that's where they are. And here's what I want you to do. You must be careful to do everything they tell you. Let me rephrase it. They are speaking truth. And I want you to follow that truth. Despite what he says next. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So he says this. Do not ignore the truth because of the person speaking it. Can you hear that? Do not ignore the truth because the ones speaking it, in this case, the Pharisees, which we know are doing some awful things. They are not practicing what they preach. He's going to call them hypocrites. But you can't afford to ignore the fact that they're still speaking truth. And we can be really good at that. And this is the entire message this morning. Do not ignore truth because of the person speaking it. All right, let me, I'm going to break it down. All right, and I'm going to show you part of what makes this hard. All, right, all of us know truth can come from just about anywhere. Right, let me give you just a different example. I read to you some wisdom from teenagers. Let me read you some wisdom from even younger kids. Seven. Eight, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. This is great. This kid is, if your dog doesn't like somebody, maybe you shouldn't either. This is awesome too, and I want to say this to myself sometimes and to others. Sometimes you just need to take a nap and get over it. Eight-year-old. This is definitely wise, although not nearly as deep. Never try to baptize a cat. Hey, here's the point. We can receive that, right? I mean, we would never trust a seven-year-old with anything huge and responsible, but we know they can still speak truth. 
And yet, sometimes the speaker greatly influences whether we will listen or how we listen. Let me read you something else. And anywhere you might wander, you can make that your home. Just as long as you've got love in your heart, you will never be alone. Isn't that pretty? I mean, that is something you could, like, you know, see printed somewhere and you have it in your kitchen. And, like, I mean, it's very pretty. Do you know who wrote that? Charles Manson. The guy who also said very literally to someone interviewing him, I could take that book and beat you to death and feel nothing. Does that at all change how you think about? In fact, if I told you before that, hey, I'm going to read something that Charles Manson wrote, how would you even be listening? You see, we very much, because of our emotional reactions to at least two different things, people and groups slash beliefs, we have a very hard time listening sometimes and a very hard time engaging because of it. And yet, here is Jesus saying to his disciples and to us, listen to truth even if you don't like who's speaking it. Even if you don't like the group that somebody's a part of. Truth is still truth. It does not change. And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why I think this is really, really important. First one is very simple. And kind of a cop-out. Jesus said it. That's either a starting point for you, or it's not. But if it is, you have to take this seriously. That's number one. But I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why this is so important. I believe as a culture, we are not seeking truth very much. And the lack of seeking truth has caused a couple of things. Number one, it causes divisions in relationships and even a general loss of civility. How many families are divided over religions or politics? How many friends? Because we don't care as much about truth as we do about being right. And often we already think we have answers and there's no way they can. Good example of this, anyone watch the most recent Republican presidential debates? Did anybody on that stage seem to care about truth? All they seemed to care about was attacking each other. This is the same group. And yet, interrupt, interrupt, yell, scream, you're this, no I'm not, you're this. Here's what really, really struck me as interesting. Hey, because I'm slightly weird and like history, I was recently watching the 1960 presidential debate between Kennedy and Nixon. In the fourth debate, and this is the first time you have televised presidential debates, I watched the 58-minute 
debate. And let me tell you what I saw. And you just tell me if this sounds totally weird. Number one, they greeted one another. Nicely. (laughs) Number two, they stuck to their time limits. Number three, and this is really crazy, they answered the question that was asked them. (laughs) When is the last time you saw that even happen in a presidential debate? (laughs) Number four, there was substance in their responses. Like, they actually seemed to know what they were talking about. They not only answered the question that was asked to them, but when they answered it, they answered it with substance. They gave little bits of policy and like what I might actually do if I were the president. And at the very end, this is what the moderator, Quincy Howe of CBS, who was the moderator for the fourth one, this is his ending comments. He says, this is a new type of political debate. The character and courage with which these two men have spoken sets a high standard for generations to come. Surely they have set a new precedent. Perhaps they have established a new tradition. I don't think so. (laughs) Um, It's not what it looks like now. People just fight and fight and don't listen to each other. They don't seem to care. They are not looking for truth. And this is true, especially in the area of religion and politics. And not only do we divide over this because we're unwilling to listen to one another, but there are so many things we won't listen to because here's what we want to do. We want to demonize one another. Let me give you an example. A hotly debated topic, abortion. There's two sides to it, right? Pro-life, pro-choice. What do those titles say? Those that are not pro-life are what? Baby killers. They are murderers. Those who are not pro-choice are what? They don't care about women. They don't care about women's rights. They don't care about women's bodies. They want the government to take care of it. Do you know what is not happening? Listening. Neither group is trying to find truth from the other one, as if they have the whole thing. And that's the other issue. Not only does this kind of interaction, this kind of not listening, lead to division, to demonizing the other side, it also means we lose the fullness of truth. Let me ask you a question, and be honest. Don't raise your hand or shout out or anything. Be honest. Do you think any group has the entire truth? Do you think any political party, any religious affiliation, any whatever has the whole truth? And yet so many of us are acting like we do. Instead of thinking, maybe I have something to learn and having a civil conversation, I just demonize. I mean, it's this kind of thing right here. I happen to know that Bill hates the color blue, and anyone who likes blue, Bill just rails all over him. And Bill is always talking about blue, and I'm tired of Bill talking about blue. And so when Bill walks in the room, I just go, oh man, Bill's going to talk about blue again. I'm just going to walk away. Nobody bring up colors. If you're around Bill, don't bring up colors. 
Does that sound familiar? Because that's how we act. What we should be able to do is go, Bill, whatever truth you have about blue, I need to be able to hear that. Even if I think you're wrong in 80% of everything else, I still have truth to learn from you. Nobody has a monopoly on truth. And let me throw out some things that there are people on both sides in this church in these areas. But some of you right now are going to cringe. There are so many topics out there that we should be able to talk about. Black Lives Matter. LGBTQ+. Critical race theory. Banning books. These are all things we should be able to talk about. Because I don't care where you are, you do not have it all right. And we are hurting truth by demonizing the other side and not being willing to go, you have some truth. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat. I don't care if you're Protestant or Catholic. We should be able to hear truth no matter what. And one of the things we lose that is really, really significant is the possibility of what we might do together even when we're on opposing sides. There was something that happened in 1914 that is very popular. Movies have been made out of it. I mean, things have been written on it. But in 1914, there was the thought that the war would be over by Christmas. Clearly, that did not happen. And as Christmas was approaching, the trenches were freezing and muddy and waterlogged, and it was a terrible, awful existence. And as close as 30 yards, you sometimes said Germans here and British here. But on Christmas Eve, something happened. Something that when it got back to London, they didn't believe it. People said they were making this up. It was a myth. Here's what happened. The Germans started hearing the British singing Christmas carols. Then the British started hearing the Germans singing Christmas carols, and they put a little Christmas tree up on their parapet. And then one of the Germans, according to somebody in a British soldier, in an interview said, this is what we heard. Tomorrow, we no shoot you. You no shoot. And on Christmas Day, British soldiers and German soldiers came out and had a day and a half where they were able to bury the dead, repair trenches, exchange cigarettes, and apparently the British had a soccer ball and they kicked the ball around. That was possible because of one thing. They listened to each other. Right. This is what, according to Anthony Richards, um, he's the head of documents at the World Imperial Museum in London. And he said this, There were lots of opportunities for each side to communicate. And this was a regular thing which happened right from the start of trench warfare. But communication would often be in the form of soldiers of one side shouting insults to the others in the trenches. What was interesting at Christmas 
is that both sides actually started to communicate in friendly terms. It really began with the Germans singing Christmas carols and setting up a Christmas tree. And so they came to, uh, and sorry, and so they came to very much, listen, empathize with one another. We lose that today when we cannot sit with one another. We can't listen and engage and hear what somebody who doesn't believe what I believe, believes. We lose empathy. We lose relationships. We lose truth. And we do not represent Christ well. Now, don't hear this. Jesus very specifically told his disciples, don't be like them. And he says later on, don't accept their bad practices. Don't just give them a pass. So please don't hear me saying that you have to sit with somebody who directly opposes what you believe, and then you have to believe what they believe when you're done. Or you have to believe that their belief is perfectly great. No big deal. Love it. I can very much disagree with you. I can very much think you are wrong. And I can still love you and learn from you and empathize. See your point of view. Hear truth where truth is at. Does that make sense? Good, at least three of you. That's a pretty good... main message. Jesus says you need to listen to truth no matter who speaks it. And it's going to come from people at times you you don't like. Maybe you don't respect. Um, Maybe somebody that is like so opposed to what you believe. We still should be listening. We still should be civil. Even if they're not. I thought it was interesting that a long no-man's land. Trenches are set up in sectors, and different sectors don't always know what the other sectors are doing. And across the front, there were multiple places where the truce took place and other sections where it didn't. In fact, there were reports of some soldiers coming out for a truce in one sector, but down here... This sector didn't know, and they shot at people coming out because they they weren't listening. Do you know why in London they couldn't believe this? They couldn't believe it actually happened? Because of all the propaganda about German soldiers. They were teaching that German soldiers ate babies and were evil, awful demons. So they could not possibly believe they could be human. There's so many things that get in our way. But if we will listen. This right here comes from a four-year-old. They lived happily ever after, and then they had to go to work. How much truth is in that? You want to seek truth? It will require work. 
You want to know something about happy ever after? It will require work. (laughs) We have to listen and be willing to engage with other people to seek truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the teaching of your son. May it transform us. Help us to see things differently. Help us to not be like the world and the culture, but to be like Christ and to follow what he has taught us and what he showed us through his life. Help us to be those people. In Jesus' holy name, amen.